to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Episode 29, Mateo. Good at, normally it's good morning, but we're recording this one in the afternoon. So good yeah. afternoon. Yes. Good afternoon. Sorry. Are you sure about the number? Last I, I am. You weren't sure. So. Last week I was not yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, this week we're, we're recording too, um, because next week being Thanksgiving here in the States, um, we're giving us some time to go ahead. So we're, we're recording one today, which is a Monday, one tomorrow. One will go out this week. One will go out next week. This one will probably go out this week. So um, excited. This, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, it's uh, Even though I'm not connected yet on LinkedIn with our guest, um, he told me that he will only connect if I ask good questions. So, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see after the episode recording if he actually accepts my, uh, my connection request or not on LinkedIn. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and let Mateo do the introduction. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this week, man, we are, uh, we are blessed and honored to have uh, the one and only Bob Garner, the, uh, the environmental conscious of our industry, I would like to say. Um, the, the man I, I was uh, privileged to run across, uh, I think a year or two ago at the uh, at the World Summit when he, when he was giving a presentation, he was talking at the World Summit, and and you know the environment is close to my heart as you know that um, as you know sustainability and you know being able to travel uh, is is a beautiful thing, um, but you know again we have to start looking at the way that we do things and its impact and. And, you know, we are, you know, the thing we love about hospitality is the interconnectedness of us all, right, John? And, you know, if we want our industry that we love to continue to thrive and to continue to be open uh, in, in the future, uh, into future generations, you know, this is something that we as a community have to have a discussion around, just like we have a discussion around DEI, just we have a discussion around other things that we have, you know, professional standards to get better. Um, this is something um, that, you know, not to be an alarmist, but yes, to be an alarmist, like you, we see the world changing. We see that climate impact and, and how that's affecting your, your local communities. Granted, you know, not even looking all over the world. And so uh, I, I want to get Bob in here. I'm going to stop talking because uh, we could talk about the importance of it from my vantage point all day long, but that's not what we're here for today. Uh, Bob, thank you so much uh, for coming on here. Uh, we would love to uh, to get your story, um, and as with most guests, you know, we want to get the beginning. Like, how did you get into SDR? Why did you get into STR? And and how did your journey evolve to where you are today? You know, with what you're doing um, in the sustainability community and, and and really you know raising your voice and and, and getting a loud echo. Uh, to this community to really understand the impacts uh, of the environment and what we need to do to to ensure that you know it, we have sustainable practices to have businesses and places to travel to tomorrow. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, Mateo and John. I really appreciate you inviting me here, and uh, it's uh, I'm really chuffed, as we say in England, really chuffed to be here, which means I'm really pleased to be here. Um, so I'm chuffed a bit, as we say. I'm from Manchester in the north of England, and that. That's how we say I'm really pleased. I'm chuffed a bit. 
So anyway, uh, <laughs> just All right. a bit. All right, so that's good. Uh, I'm writing it down. You've learned something. Yeah, <laughs> every day. Absolutely, always something to learn every day. Uh, but yeah, um, my my story uh, goes way back, um, and uh, I'm from Manchester. Uh, I lived a lot of my time in London uh, with my husband Ian, and uh, we were working in corporate world in the city, as it's called, the City of London. Um, had great jobs, good money, nice lifestyle. Um, but we came to the point um, 20 years ago, 25 years ago that we said that's not what we wanted to do anymore. We wanted to do something different. Uh, you know, they work you really hard in the corporate world, as you guess you guys know. Oh, yeah. They pay you really well, but you're at their beck and call. And, you know, sometimes you think maybe it's not worth it. Maybe there's some other things that you can do. <clears throat> so we took mm -hmm. the decision that we were going to do something different. And at that stage, we didn't have a clue what that was going to be. But what we decided is that we're both sort of planners, we're both sort of strategic, we think about things and, and work out what we want to do. The, the biggest thing that we could do was to create an environment for us that we could make that next leap as easily as possible. And the way we did that was to say, right, what we're going to do is we're going to pay off the mortgage on our house because we're going to have no debts. We're going to have the freedom to have this capital when this we sell this property and we don't have to pay the bank back and we don't have to pay the credit card company and da, 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 da. And so we carried on having the lifestyle that we had, but all the spare cash that we had, we just kept throwing into the mortgage and we were earning good money and we were able to do that. And over five years, we'd cleared the mortgage because, you know, when the capital goes down, the interest goes down right. and it's, yeah. it's a really virtuous circle and it's brilliant. And I, obviously we were very lucky. We were very fortunate to have those great jobs and to be able to do that. It's not in everybody's control. I totally understand it. But we didn't have children. We don't have children. And that, you know, makes a difference financially. So having done that, we cleared that. And then we could clear our minds to say, well, what do we want to do now? And that's when we went through these crazy conversations that went on for ages about, you know, do we want to run a hotel? Do we want to run a pub? Do we open a restaurant? Do we do we this? Do we do that? But at the end of the day, the, the crucial thing for us is that we wanted a lifestyle change. Uh, we didn't need to earn the money we'd been earning in the past, but we did want to have a lifestyle change so that we had more time for us. So the balance was more, more appropriate in our lives. So eventually we decided to think about hosting. Um, and I, we had friends uh, living in Rome and we used to visit there often. And I was going there once and my friend Joe was coming up to my area in Italy, which is called Le Marche, uh, in central Italy, north of Rome. So I tagged along with her, and I'd never been to this region before. I'd never even heard of it, and, and it's still not very well known. It's not like its popular neighbours, Umbria and Tuscany. It's still quite remote. And it, I thought it was brilliant. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Everything about it was really appealing. So I went back home, and I said to Ian, hey, I found the place. Let's move to Italy. Let's move to Le Marche. It's a wonderful place. We can buy cheaper there because it's not the same prices as Umbria and Tuscany. And we can, we can buy an old farmhouse. We can create a business. And that's going to be amazing because we can give up our jobs and have a new life and do the things we want to do. Um, so, so cut long story short. That's what Bob, is, is this 20 years ago or 18 years ago, approximately, yeah. when you made uh, yeah, this move? Yeah, we it's 17 years ago we made the move. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we we came to Italy 
a few times, uh, found uh, this farmhouse that really did what we wanted to do, deserted, derelict farmhouse, been empty for 35 years, roof falling in, walls down, um, just shit and straw on the floor where the animals used to go right. to eat. Sounds wonderful. Just a little old put- <laughs> An old place in a field of mud, yeah. Yeah. But it had it had the tick boxes. You know, we had a criteria that it had to meet. It had to be a certain floor size so that we could create enough apartments to generate income for us to live on. It had to be within hour of the airport. It had to have an amazing view. It had to be near a town, but not near a busy road. You know, there were some criteria that it had to meet. And if when we were looking around, if they didn't meet those criteria, we said no, thank you, because. You've got to create something special out of what you buy, and it's got to be appealing to the guests when they come. And they're not going to be interested in being by a busy road or right. being next to, a, I don't know, a, a cement works or something like that. So finding the right place is really important. But once you've found it and you've got that wow factor, then you know you've got something special. So we bought this place and over the next two years renovated it and converted it into into seven apartments. We live in one and we rent out the other six. Um, and that was the beginning of the, of the dream, really. And, uh, and we love it. We love hosting guests and, uh, and they love it because they come back. So it's a win-win. Was that just intuitive? Like, did you know, like you had a pretty specific list of like what you wanted in terms of your, of like your layout. Like, how did you get to that? Like, how did you know that that was going to, you know, those were the metrics that were going to give you success for that space? Um, well, guests like you guys, you know, we've stayed in lots of places before and sometimes you have great experiences, sometimes not so good. And, you know, we're very focused on what the good things are and what the not good things are. So whenever we're traveling, even before we did this, we'd always go, well, why did they do that? Why did they put that door there? And why did the they not make that kitchen a bit bigger and more stylish? And, you know, why is there no heating in this area or whatever it might be? Right. So we were always were conscious of those things. It was something that sort of came naturally to us. So we took the best parts of what we'd seen in the years that we'd been traveling around the world. And we said that when we were going to do it, we were going to do it really as best as we could with the budget that we had. We weren't going to cut corners and we were going to create those spaces, those individual apartments uh, with their private gardens. And we were going to do as much as we could of what we thought the guests would want. So I think it's just intuitive because it's we thought, well, what would we want? Well, we would want a nice view. We would want a private garden. We want a, a fully fitted kitchen that gave the guests everything that we'd need. We would want a lovely heated pool, um, et cetera. And we don't want to be bothered by a load of noise. Uh, but also we right. want to be within an hour of the airport so we can travel. You know, it's just logical, really. And it's the things that we thought would work for us. And if it works for us, it probably worked for other people. Um, now, and that's Bob, how it's worked out. These uh, these six units you have that are all are all you know, attached to yours. So the, in total, there's your home and and six additional units. Do you have? Is that as? And we've been talking about this a lot, so I'm really curious about this. Um, is that all your inventory? Have you expanded outside, or is those? Is that it? Uh, we also have a vacation rental in London, uh, which is where I'm speaking from now. Uh, but yeah, that that is it. Yeah, we haven't expanded. And and we get asked, asked all the time, why don't we expand? Why don't we do... Our business is called Casal di Fiki, which is farmhouse of figs, because we have fig trees around the property. Okay. Uh, and people always say to us, uh, our guest, why don't you why don't you do Casal di Fiki too? This is so good, and you're so busy, and you're packed. 
you could do another one. We don't want to do another one because we have the right work-life balance. Right. We want to go off to the beach. We want to go off to the mountains. We want to do the things we want to do. We've got a business that pays us enough to live off. It gives us uh, a good income, but it also gives us a lot of free time. So that and that was the balance we want. And if if we do number two or some more units, then that might shift back to being more like our old jobs, and that's not right. what we want. And yeah, and you know, like I mentioned, we've been talking about this a lot. You know, the the you know scaling isn't necessarily ideal for everyone. You know, there are right. plenty of companies that want to, you know, quickly grow as fast as they can. You know, there's friends of ours in the space that that have gone from, you know, three units to a hundred units in a year. And, you know, that's their prerogative and that's what they want to do. But, you know, I, I love two, two things about your story that, that are really resonated with me. A, the, the solid foundation that you built right from the beginning, you knew exactly what you wanted. You knew exactly what you were looking for. And you and your partner, and I think it's amazing that you know you, you found what you're looking for and you built it, and and you knew that your lifestyle and what you want to do after the fact that that would generate enough income, and but income not being the sole driver for you know what is success to you, you know what defines mm-hmm. success, and I love that success to you is a whole you know a cornucopia of things here, not just you know, financial, which is, which is great. Um, and so that, that resonated with me a, a lot and, and, and to each his own, you know, you know, someone else might come in and, and build 10 of what you've built and, and that's success to them, but you know, but whatever that may be. And I, and I love that you took an old farmhouse again, and this kind of goes to the environmental thing. Like, like you didn't go and you, you, you didn't race. You're like, Oh, this is the perfect location. Let's raise it and start fresh. You you, you took the existing bones, the the mm-hmm. and, and built something fantastic out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a beautiful building and it has a lot of character. And obviously, we had to move some internal walls and do some stuff yeah. to create these apartments out of it. But essentially, it's the same building um, and it looks the same from the outside. But inside, right. of course, it's it's completely different um, because it, it, it had been empty for such a long period of time. But yeah, absolutely. For us, it's about having our lifestyle you you only get one one chance in life you only get one opportunity to to do the things you want to do probably and so this is our opportunity and so we've made the most of it and we're enjoying doing it and you know uh, we don't want to be pulled off to get sucked into those old ways of earning you know five times more than we already earn now because what we earn is enough and we live more simply but we still travel in the winter and do the things we want to do and uh, we're very happy so yeah yeah, more money, yeah. more problems. Like, I, I think that's the beautiful thing, too. Like he's he, this is the example, John, that we've been talking about, like week after week of having a firm identity in your business and knowing and having a deliberate you know, idea and, and deliberate scale for your business that you're comfortable with. And that allows you and affords you, you know, a, clearly a great life. Uh, you don't look too disappointed or, or pretty or <laughs> unhappy with the with where you are in your station in life. And. And to to kind of kick off, you know, the where we really want to talk about is, you know, giving you free time to clearly work on things like, you know, tourism and uh, in, in the climate crisis organization that you're so pivotal in, in in kind of pushing, right? Like this allows you to do those things as well, and we want to dig right into that because uh, mm-hmm. clearly, mm-hmm. yeah, we we want to know how and why and 
but we know Europe is, is, is seeing tremendous weather events over the past couple of years that directly affect, I'm sure, your business uh, in Italy uh, and all throughout the continent. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, tell us how, well, we know you had the free time, but like, tell us how you got to this uh, and, and why this sure. topic for you. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to use air quotes for those that aren't say free time. You know, it's, we, we know how it is. As soon as you get involved, like like we like Teo and yeah. I do this in our free time. Okay. And I know. I'm not managing. How about that? Yeah. Is that yeah. I'm not managing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In my free time, this is yeah. the second of these interviews I've done today. So, you know, it's yes. like that, that, that's fine. I, I'm totally cool with that. So when we built our business, which is called Casal de Fique, we wanted to put sustainability at the heart of it. So because we were creating a business from scratch, although we have an existing building, it gave us an opportunity to build in environmental sustainability from day one. And although we didn't know a great deal about it at that time, you know, I now know a lot more, 15, 16 years later, we in intuitively knew that we had to do some things like solar panels and dig a well and build an organic garden and get rid of plastic and da, 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 the list goes on and on. Right. But it didn't, it didn't all happen on day one. You know, it's been an organic process that we would do various things. They would find that they would work. You would get a good result from that activity and then you do the next thing. And what I always say to people, always, 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 it's, it's like a virtuous circle because you, you take some actions, you do some, take some green initiatives you publicize them, you brand your, your business accordingly as being green because it's not greenwashing because you've actually taken some steps. Then you get the positive feedback because the guests say, yeah, yeah, we like this. You get more people coming to stay. Mm -hmm. You get people coming back. You get referrals. Uh, and that means your bottom line is better for you. And then you think, well, this is working. I'm going to do more of the same because it's working. If it's working, do more of the same. So this is virtuous circle. If you take an action, you get a positive feedback, you get something good on the bottom line, and then you take another action. And for us, it might be an initiative within the business. It might be joining a eco OTA. It might be gaining an award, as we did at the Vacantia Rental World Summit a couple of years ago. It might be getting some press in the media, which we, we get a lot of that based on what we do. All of these things are positive feedbacks in the loop saying, you're doing the right thing, do more of it, do more of it. And I firmly, firmly, firmly believe it isn't about the business being successful or green. The two are totally wedged together. They're totally connected. Um, and people often say to me, well, I haven't got time to do this because I'm so busy running my business. But you integrate the green initiatives into your business, and we could probably go on to talk about that. And that is how you do it. That is how it's successful. Um, so that's what we've done. And then, obviously, we only see a few hundred people a year coming through our business. So that's the opportunity to talk to those individuals, explain to them what we do, why we do it, and encourage them to, to go home and think about what they can implement in their lives. Because you want to spread the message, you know, it's it's like being a preacher. You don't want to keep it to yourself. You right. want to tell everybody right. about it, you know. Evangelize, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so so obviously that that was one stage and that was great and it's good and we've done some good things. And it gives me so much pleasure when people go home and they write a review or they send an email and say, that was really good. I, I've, I've put some solar panels on my roof or I've tried to reduce plastic 
or I've, I've uh, used the splosh product where you refill the bottles and don't throw the bottle away each time, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you've, you've made a difference. You've made a tiny difference in one person's life. And if you can multiply that and replicate it, then that's, that's great. But I, to come to your question, I came to the conclusion a few years ago that that wasn't enough. And I want to amplify that message. I want to increase that message. I want to get it out to tens of thousands of people, not just a few hundred a year. So that's when I started writing about and blogging and doing interviews and and talking about sustainability in the vacation rental industry. Because I know the industry. I know how it operates because I'm in it. So right. I know the pressure. I know the pressures. I know the influencing points. I know the the concerns that, that hosts have and vacation rental managers have. So I can see it at their level. So that's when I got I got into this, and it's obviously escalated. So that I'm talking to people all of the time about what they can do, and I'm and and I'm giving them a roadmap. I've written a roadmap for hosts and vacation rental managers. Here are the here's the roadmap to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Just follow these steps. And some of them are easy, some of them cost no money, some of them are a bit more involved. But I always say to people, just get started, take that first step and see the benefits of it, and then you'll be hooked. So I think environmental sustainability is like a drug. You take some actions, you see the results, and you're committed, and you're you're addicted. And and it's absolutely uh, addictive, it really is. Somebody described it the other day as a, a bit like eating potato chips. You know, you just can't stop. You know, you just right. got to keep on going. And it's, it, so it, good. it's really like that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, and so that's what I do. And, and um, I try to explain to people, you know, carefully and humbly what they can do. And if they're willing to come on board, then I help them for free, of course. The As we are not a t- tips and tricks podcast, um, I want to break the mold of our podcast today. Um, and in... You know, if you were to give your our listeners that have a you know whatever size, it doesn't really matter vacation you know size. What would you say be like the top three things that uh, those managers could go ahead and do um, to to start making an immediate impact? Sure. The first I would say is take one of the do the low hanging fruit, do the easy stuff, because you don't have to think about your competence and your confidence to do it. You can do it easily. It doesn't cost you any money and you'll see instant results. So the first one I would say is if you're not already on it, uh, talk to your energy provider and switch to a green energy tariff. It's a phone call. It's an email. It's a click on a website. It doesn't cost you any more money. And then your money is going to support green energy, renewable energy. Uh, still the same energy coming down the wires, but your money is funding future green energy initiatives. It's super easy to do. It won't cost you any more money. Sometimes it's even cheaper and your provider will do it for you. If they say no, switch providers. It's not complicated. Most people never do this. They never think about where their energy comes from and what rate they're paying and who they're with. But you can easily do that and it's a super quick, easy result. So tick, first one. Second one, uh, I would say switch out your light bulbs to LED if you haven't done so already. So um, I'm not sure in different parts of, uh, of the world, they have different rules, different regulations, but LED is the is the new light technology, as you probably know. They, they last 10, 20 times longer. They don't give out any heat, so they're not wasting energy in heating. They're just giving out more lumens, more right. light. 
So that is a quick way of reducing your energy because they consume so little energy, your energy bills will go down uh, and the bulbs will last 10 times longer. So that's that's a great, easy, quick win. And anyone can change a lot bulb. It's not complicated. Um, it's not, it, it reminds me of some joke, you know, how many... <laughs> Yeah, how many does it take? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, all it takes is one person with a green initiative to change the light bulb. It's okay, there you go. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. And then the third thing I would do um, would be think about single-use plastic um, in your business and think about how you can reduce that. Um, and there are many ways you can reduce it in terms of whether how, how water is taken in your business, whether you're you're providing bottled water or whether people are buying, your guests are buying a lot of bottled water. Give them the facility to get fresh, clean water in your uh, in your premises and give them a means to carry it around with them. Um, and then that's an encouragement for them to buy less water in plastic bottles. Um, you could also do it by if you provide soap in the shower take away those little plastic bottles and put a dispenser on the wall that right. gives you the soap. And then you just fill the dispenser. Um, in the cleaning products uh, that are in your kitchen or in your bathroom, go to a company that's ethical, that will send you the products um, that are dry. You just rehydrate them and you put them into the plastic bottle. So you don't throw away that, that glass cleaner when the bottle is empty because there's nothing wrong with that plastic bottle. It's, it's not meant to be single use. It can be right. used again and again and again. Right. So think of these ways that you can uh, that you can start to reduce plastic in your uh, business. Because once you've done, let's say those three initiatives or a different three, there are so many to choose from, you can then start to badge your business as being green. You don't need to say you've done everything. You can say you're on a journey, you're still learning, you're still developing, and you've got ambition to do more. But you can start to say that you're 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 doing green things. You're trying to make a difference, and that will get the attention of people of travellers who are looking for green stays. And you will see people coming to you and saying, "I appreciate you. You're trying to make an effort. You're doing something different. I'm going to come and stay with you." So instant result, bottom line, money coming in. That you're attracting somebody that you couldn't attract before, and that is a great new target audience uh, that you can then go for. And once you, you start to see that, then you'll think about some new other initiatives that you can do. And there's a long, long list of things that you can do. But I would just go simple, go easy. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just take some simple steps. Um, and I always encourage people, just connect with me on LinkedIn and, and mm -hmm. I'll give you the tips and, and show you what you can do. Will you actually connect with them? I'm just kidding. Of course. So your question brings up some questions. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the questions are good so far. So you're, you're almost there, John. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how I, I got one in my head that, that might change your mind. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Stop while you're ahead, man. Take the connection. But so this brings up a good point. Um, you know, you want it, it will definitely make sure that people have your information and connect with you um, regarding tourism declares a climate emergency because it's you're very coy about that. It's not like you call people out on the Internet or anything. Uh, but no, like I, I love the <laughs> fact that, you know, when people are talking about that, they love, you know, the climate or, or their you know, climate emergencies or, or, or the environment is important to them and you're calling them to the table. Uh, 
are there, because I'm not aware of any, are, is, and, and maybe some of the assets like VRMA or somebody else are like, are there green standards um, for our industry um, in any formal type of reference um, that, uh, that well, you or somebody else has created? Or is there an organization out there that, that is focusing on this um, specific well, to us? It's changing quickly. It's changing really quickly. Um, obviously, we've just come out of COP26. It just finished this last couple of days in Glasgow, and you, you've probably heard how that went. Uh, oh, some yeah. of it was good, some of it not quite so good. Um, but I think what's what's worth remembering and what's worth reminding ourselves of is that this is this is a one-way street. We're going in this direction. We 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 all businesses, all countries, all governments, all principalities, all individuals. We're all going to have to be greener in the future. And some some people are going to be quicker. Some people are going to be slower. But you know, we're we're moving away from coal. We're moving away from oil. We're going into electric cars. We're putting in heat pumps in your home because you're not going to be heating your home with gas. You're going to have to have green energy. The list goes on and on and on. Now, it's going to take some time, but it's got to happen. It's got to happen because the world can't survive if we don't keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius, which I think is 2.7 in Fahrenheit. Um, So that has to happen. And so that's why organizations like Tourism Declares was formed and and Tourism Declares, which I'm a volunteer outreach coordinator for, is there to represent all of tourism, not just the vacation rental sector, Um, but it's there to galvanize all organizations in every part of tourism to start to think about what they can do, how they can reduce their emissions, because what we've got to do just to get technical for a moment is if we're going to hit uh, the the target of zero uh, carbon by 2050 and a global increase in temperature of a maximum of 1.5 degrees Celsius. Mm. There's an interim stage to get to that. And that interim stage that you, you're hearing more and more about now, and it was all through COP, is the 2030 goal. So the 2030 goal, only nine years away, we can envisage that, we can imagine that. 2050 seems like a long way away. All, all countries, all companies, all individuals, everybody in society, we have to reduce our emissions by 50% by 2030 to have any chance of reaching the target of zero emissions by 2050. So that's really important. So that's a goal that we've got to now start working on. And if you break that down even further, you're talking about a 6 or 7% emissions reduction year on year between now and 2030. So try and break it down into smaller portions of time that you can get right. your head around, whether that's 2050, 2030 or next year. So the whole point of tourism declares is to galvanize all of us in whatever sector we're in to put up our hand and say, I accept there's a climate emergency and I want to be part of the solution. I'm going to do something in my business because it cannot simply be left to governments. Governments are discussing these things and coming up with agreements and coming up with plans and what they're going to do at these various COP meetings this year in Glasgow, next year in Sharm el-Sheikh in in Egypt. But also civil society, companies and individuals have to play their role. And to your point, I think if you think about any big corporation in the world, whichever industry they're in now, you will find that they will have some sort of uh, sustainability roadmap, some plan about what they're right. going to do to reduce their emissions. Even the oil companies, even the, the biggest polluters are doing it. So everybody is doing it. 
tourism has been a little bit behind in that and hasn't done quite so much of that. And that's why tourism needs to galvanise itself and, 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 and get started to make a difference. And on the badging front that you mentioned, yes, that's starting to happen. There are various eco-labels uh, that you can sign up to. And these are companies who will certify what you're doing and give you a rating. So we're with a company called uh, Green Tourism, but there are many others. and We have a gold rating with them. So they've looked at what we've done, they've assessed our initiatives, and then they give you a standard. And then that's a standard that you can put on your website, which gives the consumer some confidence that what you're saying is true and is not just some bullshit, um, because that's important that people are not greenwashing, because we need people to have confidence that when we say we're doing something, we are doing it. But what we're also seeing has been coming out in the last few weeks, Booking.com are about to start uh, badging their green properties um, as eco. And that's going to make a difference because then somebody's looking on Booking.com for a place to stay and they want to go eco, it's going to be much easier for them to, to find that place. We're on Booking.com at the moment, but you know, there's nothing really to label us as that special right. uh, on the eco front because the, the facility hasn't existed until now. Think about Google. Uh, Google Travel, which is becoming really big in the industry, You've, you're probably familiar with it. Now, if you go on, you can see eco labels against uh, accommodations on Google Travel. And when you look at a flight, you, yeah, can, you can see, see their emissions, the, the carbon their emissions. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the direction of travel. This is where it's going to. And so we need people to realize that there's a market there. And if you want to stay uh, live in that market, then you need to differentiate yourself now from your competitors, get a head start, get greener, because everybody's going to be doing it. So get in there and, and get yourself a footprint in the market and, and do it because it's right for the planet as well. Absolutely. I think it's interesting, you know, two things you brought up, like, you know, in terms of making this valid, you know, in, in the business realm, right? And unfortunately, what we've seen time after time is that business is typically the last to jump on board. Um, I was actually saw I was I was shocked out of my skin to hear a commercial or see a commercial this week that uh, it was a, it was actually a fossil fuel company that I will not name um, was ran in their commercial that and, you know, as a part of their executive like KPIs for their leaders and their CEOs now are them having a sustainability and eco-friendly uh, eco energy plan for the company and within the company. And I, I was like, that's crazy. And I was like, I want to feel like that's a good thing, but typically, you know, it's, and it's ironic business is always the last to kind of come on board, right? It's, it's typically the people, it's typically the, the, the people who are on the ground that, that care and aren't necessarily concerned about the, the unit economics or, you know, the business side of it. But, you know, as you look at business, whether it's, you know, electronic cars, whether it's any real innovation within business, it takes so long for that adoption to learn uh, to to come on board when you know we can sit back and shake our heads and be like if you would have just listened to us back then think about how farther <laughs> along we would have been yeah. and how much better for business it would have been right now like yeah. people keep thinking these things are antithetical and that you can't do good business by doing good and i i hope that narrative is continuing to change um i hope I, well, I hope it's changing and i hope that people continue to push that that narrative changes um because that's the other thing that makes business move is, you know, where their dollars are coming from and people and where they're yeah. spending. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I think I, I, I think two two points from that, Matteo, that, that that spring to mind is one at the global level, at the big finance level. One of the things that came out of COP was um, that the the financial institutions, the big holders of money, committed four hundred trillion dollars to ethical funding moving away from fossil fuels. So what that means is that the oil companies and the gas companies and the coal companies won't be able to get funding for these things in the future. The price of carbon is going to go up, which I know is an uncomfortable conversation for Americans who are used to cheap gas driving around. But that that price of carbon has to and will go up substantially and quickly over the coming months and years because people have to be given a carrot and a stick. The carrot is the temptation that they can they can move to the new technology and they'll get financial incentives to do it. The stick will be that the price of carbon is going to go up. So if you want to drive, if you want to fly, it's going to cost you a lot more because we have to move people away from that until there's the appropriate technology to support it and into more renewable sources of, of transportation. Um, and the other thing I would say, because you, you that you mentioned, which I think was really good, is one of the things that we do, and a lot of people we know do it, and uh, I think it's it's great, is we're a tiny, tiny company, of course, um, but we only work with other companies, suppliers, who are also doing good in in their business, because right. you've got everyone's got a choice. You've got company mm-hmm. A and you've got company B. The products are the same. The prices are very similar. Similar. But company A are just a regular company going on doing what they're doing, making money, and da 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 da. Company B are giving back. They're doing something for the environment. They're giving something to their community. They're supporting people. They're they're, they're making a difference. So why not go for company B? So that's what we do. And when when we're talking to suppliers, whether it's who people who are cleaning our laundry or people who are supplying us with our digital guest guide or the people who supply the bottles that we give as gifts to our guests they all have to do something good and if they do then we're with them if they don't we say bye-bye we're going to go and find somebody else and that's the power of the market i think is what you're referring to and that's what we all can do and if we all play our part businesses big and small and individuals it can make a huge difference so um I'm, i'm a true believer in that hey bob i uh I, th- that's fantastic. And I, I believe in that too. I think enlightenment and understanding and, and is, is huge in this. And, and we appreciate you jumping on, on the show with us. Um, question for you. And this is kind of a devil's advocate. I'm a first, I'm a hundred percent on board and I, and I believe in, in these initiatives and these make sense, but conversation that is, that I have heard and I want your take on this are, so if we're moving overall from a fossil fuel, you know, overall, we need to move to, towards, you know, battery operated vehicles and these things. D- does the taxation on the earth for these precious metals and these different parts that go into these batteries and, and then what happens when the batteries are dead and you have to go ahead and replace it and where, how does that compare um, energy consumption and carbon footprint esque and whatever um, you know these huge you know precious metal minings that that are going on in like third world countries and stuff like that you know what what is better truly you know uh, you know and and then the another caveat to that would be you know for ex- and 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 this is in this is different in different parts of the world but for example I've read recently um, we 
you know, when we put our garbage out, we have, you know, a bin for recyclables and we have a bin for our trash. Um, and every week they, they take their trash and every other week they come and take the recyclables. When we, I have read and, and I could be wrong, but the, the processes and the energy and the trucking and all this that are done in certain areas to process the recyclables use as much energy, if not more to get, to get that recyclables, you know, it's the sorting and the, and the breaking down and all this stuff as it would be just to make new uh, glass or plastic or metal or whatever that may be. So I'm curious on your take on that. Um, and, and are these new initiatives a hundred percent better or are they just different? And that's a huge question. Um, a really big question, but let's try and break it down a little bit. First of all, we don't have a choice. We, we're after Paris 2015, the COP meeting in 2015, the, the globe, the planet was on track to, uh, have an increase in uh, temperatures by 4%, four percent, sorry, four degrees Celsius, uh, Celsius, um, and that was totally unsustainable, and we would not be able to survive. Um, after COP that we've just had, that's now come down to around two degrees, still too high, um, but at least it's coming in the right direction. Right. Even if we, even if we get it to, to one point five, there is still going to be massive massive damage to the earth there'll be the the polar caps melting there'll be wildfires there'll be hurricanes there'll be all the all the wild stuff you've seen in america and you've seen around the world we've seen in australia um it, it's happening and it's going to continue to happen because it's now built in it's built in and it can't be stopped because even if we cut emissions to zero tomorrow which is totally impossible these things would continue to rise because they're built into the system. Because if you release CO2 into the atmosphere, it lasts for hundreds of years. It doesn't just disappear straight away. Um, like methane, methane is 10 times more damaging than CO2, but methane only lasts for, I think, 10 to 15 years, and then it, it disappears. That's right. not the same with CO2. I'm sorry, this is getting a bit technical, but it's No, that's, I, this is what I want. Thank you. <laughs> because it's built into the system. So we don't have a choice. We have to move away from coal and we have to move away from gas uh, and oil. There isn't any choice. Now, to your point about electric vehicles and batteries, of course, there are some concerns around that, but they're working through those and they will find a solution. So at the moment, on balance, they say that the electric vehicle over its lifetime, including the development of those rare minerals to, in the, to the create the car in the battery in the first place, yes, it's not as good as it needs to be, but when the investment goes in, they will refine it. When money goes into a system, technology always comes in and finds a better solution. So those batteries will last much longer. They'll use less minerals and metals, and they will bring down the, the carbon footprint of a car, even an electric car. Everything has a carbon footprint. Everything right. we touch, everything we make, everything mm -hmm. we eat, everything has a carbon footprint. It's about choosing the ones with the lower footprint. Um, and that's why they say we need to fly less because flying is one of the most damaging aspects of um, the carbon uh, crisis. And to, to the point about tourism, tourism accounts for 8% of global greenhouse gases. So global tourism, not just short-term rentals, everything connected to tourism is 8 to 9% of greenhouse gases. That's a huge number. And so tourism has to get behind 
these initiatives and start to take action. It's no point saying, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'll leave it to somebody else. I think everybody needs to get involved and be committed because if everybody takes a small step, we have an aggregate huge step forward. Um, so it's really, I think, um, the onus is on everybody to take a step. And I'm trying to present the information and give people the ideas that they can take these steps. And that's why Tourism Declares was formed, so that you can go to Tourism Declares, you can sign up, and Tourism Declares will help you. You're not then on your own. You're not thinking, what do I do? Because most people, the trouble is they're confused. There's so much information out there. They don't know where to start. So what do they do? They do nothing. So we've got to right. break that cycle. We've got to break that cycle and say, yes, you can do something. And Tourism Declares is there to help you for free and get you started on the road. And I speak to owners and property managers and people like yourselves and people in the industry giving uh, supplies to these businesses every single day and getting them to understand what we need to do. And most people, once it's been explained to them, they go, yeah, I get it now. I understand. I know I've got a part to play. And it's it's like anything you you everyone plays their part and we make a big difference together so tourism declares is there to help people you just need to sign up and uh, and get started yeah thank and, you and we, the other thing too is i mean this this stuff has to evolve right like you know it's it, it's the, the, these resources are finite right like we need to understand that and the only reason i know this is i have a good friend who this is his job for a very large company that sends people to space that we won't say their name on, on here but he is actually one of the foremost you know in, in in dealing with their worldwide economy and i had a conversation with him he's like platinum's going to be gone by 2044 um like all these minerals and all these things are going to be out of the earth within our lifetime and so you have to think about what that means, right? Like you have to think about the amount of trash we have and like all of this stuff that we have that if we can't repurpose and reuse, it's going to change the way that we buy. It's going to change our whole economy and the way we view products that we buy. Um, yeah. The way that we buy, you know, these microphones, these earbuds, it, everything that you can think of from your house to your car to your clothes, it's going to completely change the way in which our economy consumes. And I don't think people really understand that. And like that's you know, that. And again, that's going to directly affect our, our tourism and our industry. Right. Like you really think people are going to stop flying? No, they're not. Can we find better ways or, or cleaner ways to fly? I don't know. We've investing in that technology and that energy. We should. We should be because it's not just, you know, it is, you know, we're we're interconnected. People are not going to want to stop traveling. The other part about it, there's other issues, you know, in terms of government and other things and reasons why this technology is going to have to evolve because the world is going to change and it's going to either force us to evolve or, you know, hopefully we can be smart on the front end and, and work as best we can to troubleshoot, you know, the damage that's been done and how we can survive moving forward um, if we care about our quality of life. You know, we, we can, we've proven as mankind that we can survive through anything. Uh, I'm not really trying to live in an ice age. Like, it's cool. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe it'd be good to, like, have it seasonally and go check that out. But I honestly, you know, people have to understand that that's a very, it's a reality. It's very serious. But, you know, one of the one of the stats that I follow very closely, it's the Booking.com survey. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They do the survey every year. and They survey X hundreds of thousands of people, whatever. And they come up with these stats about 
what the consumer is looking for. And a number of the questions are built about the, around the environment. And I, I follow it every year, and you can see the numbers going up and up and up in terms of what people expect. And the numbers this year, it was something like 78% of consumers are looking to stay in a more environmentally place on their next vacation. I mean, it's that awesome. is a huge, yeah. huge number. Now, at the moment, the supply isn't there to meet that demand. But right. if, you're, if you're a savvy host, if you're a savvy property manager, you can switch on and say, well, look, why don't I tap into that market? Why don't I create my property to be greener because it's the right thing to do? It's the right thing for the planet. I will then tap into that business because I've got a market there waiting for me. And those people don't just take off their green heads when they leave home and go, I've been environmentally friendly at home. When I go on holiday, I'll just fly and I'll just throw my trash around and I won't care what I consume. Their minds are changing. They're becoming more environmentally aware. And that's they're then going to then say, well, I'm connecting the dots here. I want that same mentality when I go on holiday, when I go on vacation. So I'm going to look for the host that's providing me with that. And then, you know, the logic is, if you can do it, you can attract that customer. So mm-hmm. it seems to me a no-brainer. And I, I really say to hosts and to property managers, well, this is where the market is going. It's only going to get more and more like that. So why don't you tap into it? Do it for the planet. If you can't do it for the planet or the next generation, uh, then do it for your business because right. uh, it's going to be good for your business. It's a, yeah, booking.com is, is an, that's an interesting statistic. Um, huge number, the, man. Yeah, 78%. And what, what's, what's interesting to take, you know, there, a lot of that is, is obviously coming from a hotel um, as well, you know, booking, you know, these, I'm assuming these aren't just on the short-term rental. This is on no, all the bookings. So across. in, in the, the hotel, you know, they've been, you know, pioneering these green initiatives, at least on the hospitality and lodging front for, for quite a while. And you can see it, you know, to be able to go into, um, you know, stay at a place and, you know, and not get your, your, your towels washed every day and not have a turn down every, and, and that's wonderful. And that's amazing. And, and, you know, so how can the short-term rental space replicate some of the, you know, the direction that they've been going and a lot of it's already built in, you know, you're not having, you know, unless you're staying a long time and you're scheduling a mid-stay clean, you know, right. on a short-term space, you know, that's already, you know, null and void. It's not, it's not operating like a hotel anyways. And I, I want to admit that um, when I travel, I here at home and most of we, we are very environmental conscious, um, but when I travel, um, I, t- I take twice as long shower. I'm terrible. I'm like, I don't, I'm not paying for this. I'm, I should, I shouldn't, I can't believe I just admitted that on there. <laughs> now I'm definitely not getting that connection. Right? <laughs> it's, it, I'm it like, this is on what you do next now. John. This, like, it's... <laughs> uh, speaking of next, I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, on our, on our website, Bob, that, you know, I, we will direct them to your LinkedIn page um, to go ahead and, and to connect with you that way. Is there another, you know, you know, what, what link should I give them? Should we give them a link to the climate reality or the tourism declares project? And like, where would you like to go ahead and um, direct, you know, our listeners? Yeah, I think, I think there are three links. If link them to me on LinkedIn because they can connect with me and then I can talk to them direct and I can help them one-on-one and I'm happy to do that. And again, just to reemphasize, I'm not, I don't charge for this. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do and I'm happy Mm -hmm. to talk to people anytime. So 
just to be clear. Second, yeah, tourism declares because that will give them an oversight of what tourism declares can do for them. And again, I'm an outreach coordinator, so I can talk to them about that as well. And the third, perhaps, is I'll give you the link to my roadmap, so the 10-stage roadmap that I've created for hosts and property managers. So it's the top 10 things that they can do to move themselves from where they are to where they need to be. And, and then people can cherry pick some of those things and start to make a difference and start to see what I get. You know, I have a 65% return rate in my business. So 65% of my guests come back each year. That is very high in the industry. Uh, we get a lot of referrals. We don't use OTAs very much. Um, we get a lot direct from our website. A lot of that is based on what we've done around the environment mm -hmm. and the way we host. And there's no reason why, reason why other people can't do it. So uh, I'm a living, breathing example that it works. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've still got a lot to learn and a lot, long way to go. But if it can work for a simple guy like me, then it can certainly work for most people out there running vacation rentals. Great information. Um, that we'll definitely get that link and we'll put them up there. I have, I, I know, I know we're getting to time here, but I, I do have a question. And do you have a of of the? I want to know the the of not just the small mom and pop, and and I don't want. To, I'm not saying that's the bad thing. That's exactly what you are. But overall, like the the large players, you know, someone that has over a hundred units, say. Who, what property management company is doing in your eyes or what few property management companies in your eyes are doing a, are, are really doing great in, in this and bringing this down live. Cause I want to go ahead and, and call them out for positively. You know, I, I actually don't think I can give you a, a name. I don't think I can get, tell you that yet. Uh, not that they don't exist, right. but they just haven't, haven't come across on my radar. So in all honesty, um, I, I, I'm not saying they don't exist, but right. I, I can't tell can't tell you who they are. I'm I'm sorry. I, I really well, can't. unfortunately, that sucks. But so we got some work to do. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. Maybe, so that that's good. If you are a a larger vacation rental company, uh, holiday lets, property management company, whatever you call yourself, and you I you know you're checking these boxes off um, that you know, that, that Bob has mentioned, and you know we'd love to hear from you. Please go ahead and, and leave a comment. Uh, reach out to us um, because you know you know let's let's bring this positive light to what you're doing and and then maybe you know as a larger company you can you know help influence even more. Um, but okay, what, but what how I, about what I could say? What I could say, if I may, is yeah, I can I can talk to you about a lot of the suppliers in our industry who are doing amazing stuff and and who are brilliant and are ethical and are right on and are, are really switched on about this. So you've got people like Hostfully. Touch Day, uh, VRMB, um, Vacation Rental World Summit, Bookster, uh, Superhog. Uh, oh, the list goes on. Yeah. Uh, all of these people are doing amazing things. And there's a lot more uh, amazing things in the industry. And they're really switched on to the environment. So, uh, again, you know, for, for listeners, talk to your suppliers in, in the areas that you're, you're working in and seeing what they're doing. And if they're not, then say to them, well, maybe you think you should be doing that because otherwise I could go to X or Y. Right. And that, that will surely kick their asses and get them moving if they've got any sense about them. There we go. There go. Hey, thanks, Bob. This has been great. I've learned a lot. Okay. You're very welcome. Right. Well, <laughs> I look forward to have you back. You. Yeah. Well, if he's earned it, only if he's earned it. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, I hope I have. I think he but no, 
we want to we want to bring you back, man, because this is uh, this is something that is going to be you know on our radar, and we want to you know be measuring how the how things are progressing in, in the world and in the SDR space, and and you know making sure that we can get you know our our, our people and our industry out there the latest and greatest. And so we appreciate uh, we appreciate you, and uh, look forward to continuing to this conversation. Yeah, and thanks for giving me a platform to talk about it. I appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely, Bob. Until next time, let, let's get you back. Let's let's get some updates. Okay. Ciao for now. Okay. Bye.